Now, this morning, I don't have anything Christmassy in the message, but yet we know everything's about Christmas because it's all pertaining to Jesus in our lives. But I have a very important message to share with you, and I trust that you will leave this place challenged and changed. I'm going to invite you to turn with me to the book of Acts, and I want to read the scripture that we find in Acts chapter 27. And all of my scriptures, in case you do put them up, are found this morning in Acts chapter 27 and Acts chapter 28. So for you that have your Bibles, we're going to be on these pages for the, the message this morning. I want to start, and of course, as I explained, <laughs> I, I'm reading from the old King James uh, because, as I said, um, uh, this is uh, uh, what I memorize so much of, and also because it's just the right size of a Bible. You know, it's hard to find just the right size. Anyway, I want to read, starting in verse 20. Acts chapter 27, verse 20. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Verse 26. How be it, we must be cast upon a certain island. And it's verse 26 that I want to build my thoughts on this morning. We must be cast upon a certain island. Now, there are certain things that we can describe or we use to describe difficulties in our life. We talk about the night season. We talk about the winter season. We talk about various things, and we, we think of them, describing them as the difficulties that we're going through, storms, things like that. Well, this morning, I want to take the thought of the islands of your life, meaning those difficulties by which you pass. I don't know what islands you might be on. Uh, some of you might feel you're stuck on a whole archipelago. That is a whole lot of islands. But some of you this morning, it might be the island of loneliness or solitude. For some of you, it may be an island of failure. You feel like a failure is in your home. 
with your family, with your job, and your testimony for Jesus. You just feel like a failure. Maybe there's some that feel a great pain in your life because of rejection. Maybe divorce or, or uh, rejection by family or rejection by workmates or uh, you just don't have the sense that you fit in. Maybe there's some that are on an island of frustration. Probably every mother here <laughs> understands exactly what I'm talking about. How many understand frustration? Yeah, all 18 of you, right. So frustrate, just frustration. Uh, maybe some are on an island of financial crisis. Things have gone topsy-turvy. And you are experiencing financial setbacks. You know, I was thinking the other day, I've never met anybody that's complained about having too much money. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I mean, nobody complains about too much money, and yet we've all got food to eat, clothes to wear, and more than enough. Right? I was weak, but anyway... Some of us might be on an island of sorrow or sadness. Maybe there's been losses. I just came from a church in southwestern Ontario in, in which there had been a, uh, a lady who gave birth to a stillborn baby who, who died two days before he was supposed to be born. Isn't that terrible? And, and so it was a great moment of tragedy for that family. Um, Maybe some of you have certain tragedies in your life, sorrows. Maybe some could say you're on an island where you just feel like you're stuck, you're set aside, and the world is passing by, everything's happening, but you've been pushed to the side and forgotten. Maybe some are on an island of defeat. You're just defeated, discouraged about stuff. Maybe some are on an island of difficult and trying circumstances. Maybe you drive a Ford. A trying circumstance. <laughs> I don't know what your island might be, but you can just take your pick this morning. Maybe you're on several of them all at once. <clears throat> but in the scripture that I've read, there is a story that is being told. Apostle Paul had been put in prison and now... They have, are sending him to Rome to stand trial, what we would consider the Supreme Court, but in those days it was face-to-face -face a hearing with Caesar. And so he was on this boat, and they came into this terrible storm, even though Paul warned them that they were going to have this terrible storm. And now, for two weeks, they had been bouncing around probably everybody on that boat spending a good part of the time hanging over the edge of the boat, seasick on that boat, for two weeks. They hadn't seen the sun, moon, or stars, and they had no idea where they were. And then the angel of the Lord came and said to Paul, God has heard your prayer. God's going to save the life of every person on this boat, 276 people. But you have to go on an island. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain 
Island. I want to tell you this morning a couple of little points that I observed from this right away about your islands and about Paul's island. And the first one is this. It was God that arranged the island. Would you say that with me? God arranged the island. It was not the powerful Roman Empire. It was not the devil. It was not Paul and his intellect. It was God that said, you must be cast upon a certain island. There are certain tragedies and difficulties and setbacks and frustrations circumstances that we find ourselves in in which we try to find somebody or something to blame. But in this instant, God said, the angel of the Lord said, you must be cast upon a certain island. There are certain difficulties that will happen in our life that are destined to happen, that God permits. I don't like them and I don't understand why, but God is in control of the situations by which we pass. He is either doing it or he is permitting it. A very interesting concept to get your head around. Because I do not believe that the devil is in control. I believe that God rules over all. And that the devil is no more than a dog on a chain that can only do what he does with the express permission with the higher purposes of God in God's heart that is allowing that. How many kind of can get your head around that a little bit? So if that's true, that means that God knows where you are. And that's my second point. God arranged the island, but the second point is God knows where you are. Now, Paul wasn't exactly sure where he was. I mean, he was bouncing on this ship, no sun, no moon, no stars, nothing, for two weeks. Everything was in upheaval, literally. He didn't know where he was. But the angel of the Lord had no difficulty to find Paul, even without a GPS. The angel didn't pop off on two or diff three different boats and say, oops, <laughs> wrong boat. The angel didn't come onto that boat where Paul was and tap on a number of shoulders and say, uh, uh, is a guy called Paul here? He knew exactly which boat in the middle of the Mediterranean storm. God knew exactly where Paul was. That's good news. That tells me God knows where you and I are. In the, he knows about the islands, and he knows where we are. He knows where you are physically. He knows how old you are. He knows your birth date. The Bible says in Psalm 139, God knows your DNA. Before scientists even knew there was such a thing. He knows your DNA. And we don't understand 
a, a, a lot of these things, but God knows where you are physically. He knows your pains. He knows your, 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 your physical situation. Jesus said to Peter, Jesus dared to say to Peter, Fear not, Peter, you're of more value than many sparrows. Your heavenly Father knows the number of hairs on your head. Now, mind you, for some it's not difficult to count. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, but God is that interested. When I read that, really thinking it over, that God is that interested in the details, the tiniest details, God knows where you are physically. God knows where you are emotionally when you've just had it. And God knows where you are spiritually. He knows what we try to impress people we are. He knows what, we, what people think about us. He knows what we want them to think about us. He knows what we really are. <laughs> the pastor is coming to visit. So we quickly find the Bible, 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 wonderful. We put it on the, uh, the coffee table, and then, and, then, and then we press little dents in the carpet so it looks like we were just kneeling there. <laughs> but God knows what we really are. God knows where you are this morning. But now I want to show you something about the island. I want to give you four points. It'll give you an idea how long we're going to be here, just so you know. Acts chapter 28. Turn over the page, and I want you to see four things that Paul did on the island. And I believe that in the islands by which you pass, there are certain things that you can do that will help you to pass through the difficulties of your life, the islands of your life. And so very practical points I can see in Acts chapter 28. We're going to start reading verse 1. And when they were escaped from the boat, that is, then they knew that the island was called Melita, which is modern Malta, and the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us, every one, because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, stop. So all of these guys, 276 of them, had gotten off the boat alive, some by swimming, some by pieces of boat, and they landed on this island, which we know today as Malta, a small island in the Mediterranean. And as they dragged themselves up on the shore, the barbarians or the inhabitants recognized that immediately all of these guys are wet, they are cold, they are hungry, some are sick, and they immediately set out to try to help them. And so they knew the first thing was these people needed to get warm and dry. So they built this big fire, and many of the people gathered around it to thaw out and dry off. And the Bible says that the weather was cold and raining. 
it was a miserable of, of the miserablest day. I don't like to be cold and wet. So these people coming out of the sea. But it seems that in this most miserable of situations, when they just felt miserable, not even spiritually miserable, just miserable. How many have had days like that? Oh, yeah, four of you. Anyway, they came, and it seems that the way we read the Scripture, that almost immediately, <clears throat> almost immediately, Paul begins to do something. He just saw right away, boy, we got to get something done here. Uh, they're, they're building a fire. So he just rolled up his sleeves and he went out there and he started to pick up sticks to put on the fire. He did what he could with what he had where he was. That's what happened. That was the first thing he did. He did what he could with what he had right where he was. He picked up sticks. This is what has to be done right now. There's some sticks around here. Now, he didn't have to. Remember who Apostle Paul is. He could have climbed up on a rock and sat himself down, and he could have said, why am I on this island? <laughs> He could have cast a major pity party. Why am I going through all of this? Why am I in this predicament? Why? I'm so cold and I'm so wet. And, and there's just been two weeks of trouble after trouble bouncing around. And he could have felt very sorry for himself. How many know folks like that? No. No, let me say it this way. How many have ever seen somebody, heard somebody say something like that when you were looking in a mirror? Uh -huh. We have a tremendous capacity to feel sorry for ourselves. Why me? Why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one of the trials I've known? How many? No. You know what? Paul could have felt sorry for himself. And I have met many people who are going through their hardships. And they just turn in on themselves and just feel sorry for themselves. And they want everyone else to feel sorry for them. But the problem is when you have a pity party, nobody much shows up but yourself. himself. He just saw, we need to pick up sticks. We're going to get this thing changed. We got to get out there and pick up sticks. And he just picked up sticks. Or he could have folded his arm, climbed up on a high rock and said, it's not my ministry to pick up sticks. I am the great apostle Paul. It's not my ministry to get down there in the mud. Oh. And I've met some folks like that. Me help with the Christmas banquet? Me help 
move chairs after church? Me? Are you kidding? That's not my ministry. God has divinely appointed me to keep church chairs warm. I am gifted in keeping church chairs warm. <laughs> yeah, well, better warm than cold. But nevertheless, you know, Paul didn't do that. He just got out there picking up sticks doing what he could with what he had where he was. And on your island, whether it's sorrow, whether it's loss, whether it's financial setbacks, whether it's rejection or difficult circumstances or a Ford car, just get out there and do what you can with what you have where you are. How many got the point? We're getting better. Number two. What did he do on the island? I'm picking it up in verse 3. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. The second thing that I can see in that scripture is as he is picking up sticks, this viper, this poisonous snake, comes out of the fire, the heat of the fire, and latches onto his hand or his arm. And he immediately shook it off into the fire. You know, when we are on the islands, when we are going through the difficulties in life, it is then that a lot of snakes will come out of the fire to try to bite you and empoison your life and your testimony and your effectiveness. They never bother you when everything is going well. But when you're on an island, when you're in a difficulty, when you're experiencing rejection or financial distress or loneliness or sorrow, it is then that so many uh, uh, snakes, poisonous snakes, will come out of the heat of the moment and will try to bite you and put their poison into you. Particularly the snakes of unforgiveness and bitterness. They will come out in the heat of the difficulty and will try to poison your life. But Paul refused to coddle the snake, keep the snake. He immediately shook it off and refused the poison of the snake. Just let me throw out an example, just out of thin air. An example like this. Just suppose you have recently had financial setbacks. And then you come to church or you meet other believers and your heart says, you know, 
They know what I'm going through. They could help me. But they don't. What kind of a Christian are they? They could really care, but they don't really care. And so the poison of bitterness begins to spread through our heart as we expect others to get us off the island when all the time you've got to shake off the snake and refuse its poison. How many understand my little funny example? Here's another example. Just suppose you've recently lost a loved one. Just suppose that you're going through a time of sorrow. And at first, everyone uh, is very near, and they're praying with you and blessing you, and everybody is reaching out to you. But as time goes by, everyone's busy in their own world, and we all see our own problems bigger than anybody else's. And with time, it slowly drifts from others' minds, and you find yourself alone. You come to a service, you come into a fellowship, and a voice whispers to you, these people don't really care. If they really cared, they'd visit, they'd phone, they'd stop by. If they really cared, but they don't really care. And the voice of bitterness begins to spread its poison through you until you think, That's, it's, all, it's all a fake, it's all nothing. How many understand that, what I'm saying? Just kind of move. <laughs> See, but Paul refused to let the snake poison him. And ladies and gentlemen, I encourage you today, you can shake off the snakes of bitterness and unforgiveness or every other thing that would poison your attitude and poison your lives and uh, poison your testimony for Jesus Christ. Shake it off. Shake it off. Refuse it in your life. We all have an opportunity to taste bitterness. We all have the opportunity. Jesus tasted bitterness. Hanging on the cross, they shoved a, a spear with a sponge of bitter vinegar into his mouth. But the Bible says he had tasted it and he refused it. He tasted the bitterness, but he refused to let it come into him. You will taste bitterness, but you can refuse to let it poison you. Shake off snakes. The third thing, in the same scripture that I read, it says that everybody kind of stood around waiting for him to die, to puff up, to convulse, to, uh, because of the poison of the snake. But the third thing that I see in this, as he shook off the snake, and as he just continued picking up sticks and doing whatever, I see he demonstrated confidence in God. That's what he did. You know, that's such a good one. Let's say it. He demonstrated confidence in God. He had faith in God. He didn't know how this was going to turn out. He had no idea what was going to happen. He didn't know uh, what was going to happen. But he knew that he had a promise from God that he would one day be in Rome. And he just had to trust God to do what God said he would do. 
in spite of the snake, in spite of the difficulty, in spite of the shipwreck, he had confidence in God. And I want to challenge you today. You know, any, anybody can believe God for healing when you're healthy. Anybody can believe God for financial supply when you've got pockets bulging with money. Anybody can believe God for comfort when you have no sorrow. Anybody can believe for forgiveness when you feel holy, <laughs> even if you're not. When you feel like, you know, things are pretty good right now. But, you know, any God, any religion, any religious tradition can work when everything is going well. Now, how many got that? Anybody's religion, Hindu, Muslim, uh, barbecue, whatever, whatever religion, it will work when everything is going well. But when, listen, listen to this. When every other God has fled and everything has failed and hopelessness overwhelms the whole situation, that, my friends, is the revelation of the true power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When everything else has failed, when doctors have failed, and lawyers have failed, and bankers have failed, and pastors have failed, and friends have failed, and everything has gone wrong, that, my friends, God can manifest the true power of the gospel. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. You've never changed. When I'm in sorrow and supernaturally, somehow I receive comfort. When I am in pain and when I am sick, and yet somehow supernaturally I can receive healing, strength, sufficiency. That is the power of Jesus. When I have sinned, and I know I've sinned, and I come in repentance and receive forgiveness. My friends, that is the power of the gospel of Jesus. Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. He said, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the sinner. That great song by Andre Crouch. I thank God for the mountains. I thank God for the valleys. I thank him for every trial he, I've, he's walked me through. Because if I never had a problem, I would not know that God could solve them. I would not know what faith in God could do. But through it all, 
I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to depend upon his word. Anybody getting anything? My friends, there's islands. I don't like them. I don't understand them. But he's given me something to do in the islands. Pick up sticks. Shake off snakes. Have confidence in God. But I've got a fourth one that I see in the same scripture, verse 7 and 8. In the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and a bloody flux. That's the way they talked about dysentery. To whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. Question. How did Paul heal this guy? This fellow that was so sick with dysentery. How did, God, how did Paul heal him? Yes, yes, I know. He prayed and in the name of Jesus he was healed. Yes, I know that. But. How did he heal him? Can I say it this way? He healed him because he was on the same island. He was on the same island so he could heal this guy. He just walked into the room because he was on the same island with this guy so he could heal him. Let me tell you, my friends, every island by which you pass, if you will open your eyes and ears and open your heart, someday, somewhere along life's way, you will be able to heal somebody because you've been where they are. That's the secret of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's a bunch of guys that have been where somebody else is, and so they can help others that understand their mess. Even the world understands that. But how much more for you as believers? No mistake, no tragedy is lost if you will look for somebody else to heal. Somebody said, in the service of love, it is only the wounded that can serve. When you've been wounded, you understand wounds a different way. I remember a friend from many years ago. Pastor and Sister Lawrence were pastors in Toronto in the 70s. And they had six children. But one little boy died when he was six months old. They carried on and in about... 1975 or 80, they retired from the church. And when I met them, they were an elderly couple in their 70s or 80s. Uh, and they were traveling from church to church, just encouraging folks with what they had experienced in life. And he would preach, and the people would come forward for prayer. But she would often give a testimony before he ministered. And so they came to the church where I was at that time in Saskatchewan, 
And one night she told this amazing testimony how a few weeks before they had been in another church. And as her husband had invited the people to come forward for prayer, she observed a young lady standing alone at the back. And she felt drawn to go to that young woman. And as she stood beside her, she sort of reached out to offer to pray for the young woman. And the young woman just pushed her away, said, just, just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. You don't understand. And so she, my friend, Sister Lawrence, stood there for a few moments just praying and wondering what to do. And then suddenly the young woman said just lashed out and said to my elderly friend who was in her mid-70s, she said, why did God do it? Why did God take my baby girl? She was only three weeks old. Why did God do it? But you don't understand and you don't care. Nobody here understands. Nobody cares. And my friend, Sister Lawrenson, said it was like a huge piece of a puzzle. It filled her mind as she had a flashback. She had a flashback of that moment when the doctors came and took her ba the body of her baby boy. She could suddenly see the moment in her mind as the doctor took the body of her baby boy 40 years before. She said, she suddenly reached out to that young woman. She put her arms around that young woman. She said, I understand exactly. I lost my baby too. I can help you. I can help you. God helped me, and now I can help you. Because I lost my baby. She said that young woman, her eyes grew so big, and just suddenly tears just flowed down that woman. And she threw her arms around my friend and began to sob and to sob and to weep. And healing process began because somebody was on the same island. I think of you, my sister Janice. There's islands that you've gone through in life. You can help a lot of people because you've been on their island. Some of you have been through tragedy. Some of you have been through loss. But you can heal somebody else. What did Paul do on the island? I want you to say it with me because I hope you can remember. Number one, he picked up sticks. Let's say that. Number two, he shook off snakes. Number three, he had faith in God. Number four, he healed others. But now I have a last point. <laughs> 
Well, those are the four things that he did. But here's another point. I don't know just where it fits, but it's a great point. Look at verse 11. And after three months, we departed in a ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isle, whose name was Castor and Pula. After three months, we departed in a ship. Listen, friends. The answer had been at the island the whole time. Their boat, their escape, their way forward had been at the island the whole time. But they could not leave for three months. Until they had learned and accomplished what God wanted them to learn and accomplish on the island. But when they had learned and accomplished what God wanted them to learn and accomplish on the island, God had the boat there to take them to the next island. Everybody's wide awake, say amen. You know what, my friends? Your answer is already in God's mind and in his purpose. It's already there. But you will not move out of your predicament until you learn and accomplish what God wants you to learn and accomplishment in that situation. Dear friends, I know I'm going a long time, but I am a woman preacher. I want to tell you again, God arranged the island. Number two, I said God knew where Paul was. God has arranged situations for you, and God knows where you are. There's some things for you to do. You need to, you need to pick up some sticks. You need to shake off some snakes. You need to have faith in God, and you need to heal others. But when we have accomplished and learned what he wants us to accomplish and learn, the boat is there, the answer is there. I don't know how long you'll be on the island. Some islands just last till the next paycheck. Some islands just last until you get the car fixed. Some islands just last until you're able to fix the washing machine. Some islands just last for a few days, some for a few hours, some islands for a few weeks, some for a few months. They were stuck there for three months. Some islands last a very long time. Some of you might be married to your island. <laughs> Don't look at anybody. <clears throat> but when we have learned and accomplished what God wants us to learn and accomplish, don't worry, my friends. God has the answer there for you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that these words will touch these hearts, whatever they're going through, whatever islands that they're on today, Lord, I pray you will help us all to take something and apply it to our lives. Let it change our lives today, I pray, in the name of Jesus. As we are all praying, I want to just ask a couple of questions. I believe that all of us are either going on an island or coming off an island or in the middle of an island. We all got islands. We all got problems. 
But are there some sticks that God wants you to pick up? Is there something that you know very well God wants you to be doing? Right now, say, God, help me to find the sticks and pick them up. Number two, you're on an island. You know the bitterness, you know the unforgiveness, you know the, the sting, the hurt. And you know very well you need to shake that thing off. You will never progress, you will never have success until you shake off the snakes and refuse their poison. If that's you this morning. Right there where you're sitting now, repent before God. Say, God, forgive me for letting the poison destroy my attitude. Set me free. Forgive me as I forgive others. Number three, faith in God. God, I don't understand what you're doing but I'm going to trust you in the hard time. Number four, is there somebody you know very well you need to be looking for that you could heal, that you could help? In Jesus' name.